welcome, welcome to Thrive, Pastor Nathan. I guess I should do this out there just enjoying time together. Well, hey, uh, I am excited, uh, one, about being here with you. I'm excited about our new series that we're in. But also, hey, if you've never filled out one of these Connect cards in the seat back in front of you, we want to connect with you. We want to get to know you, and we want to help you get connected with whatever God's called you to. So we're the mission here is to love people where they are and help them become all God created them to be. We're not trying to put you in a place. We're actually hoping that you'll hear from the Lord, and we are there to pastor you and lead you into the place that God has for you and the direction that God has for you, because that's, that's what's most important. Uh, you having an intimate relationship with the Lord, and that's it, and with each other, obviously, just comes out of that. I also want to invite you to Israel with me in June of 2024, I'm leading a, a group there, and uh, that you'll need to register by February of next year, 2024, or register and start paying by then, and then the full payment is due by April 1st. So it is limited in the group that we're, we're bringing, but I can tell you it's been one of the most impactful trips of my life. I went in February into March this year, and the, the, the guide is phenomenal. She is a Messianic Jew, and so being able to get perspective from a Messianic Jew, one who was born a Jew and got saved, and well, they, they, they would say fulfilled uh, in this lifetime. And so, and then also she's a historian, and she loves Bible prophecy, and as we go around to different geographic areas, she would explain prophecies that have taken place but according to the Bible and history, and then what will take place. And so it's a lot of fun. And opening the word and seeing, wow, if, if the word is not alive to you now, it will be then. But I'm telling you, the, the word, when you read the word of God, it should come alive to you. So I want to invite you to those two things. And so one next step, I'm mean, sorry, getting plugged in, connect card, and then also Israel. But like we said, we are in a new series called By the Grace of God. And I felt impressed upon me carrying a burden for the body of Christ understanding what Peter would call the manifold grace of God. Manifold, meaning there's many facets to this thing called grace. And sometimes we misunderstand or narrow it down, which actually reveals how we, how we come to the Lord, how we follow the Lord, how our life looks. And so sometimes we don't realize how much grace and how much is inside of grace for us to live out of, but also to empower us to, into, and through life. So, we're breaking that down. Pastor Christian did a great job last week starting, I asked him to start with mercy, because I'm, I think we need to understand that before we receive grace, we come to the mercy seat, which was Jesus. The mercy seat was actually on the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus is our, our spiritual mercy seat, so we come to Jesus and we don't get what we deserve. Like, because of the sin and the corruption in our lives, in our, in our natural lives, you don't get what you deserve, and so that's mercy. And then grace is, you're going to get greater things than you ever deserved. You're, this, is the, this is the love of the Father being poured out through Jesus into our lives. And I, that's what I want to discover. That's my burden for you, is to discover the abundance that's buried in grace that you've yet to discover in whatever leg of the journey you are in seeking Christ, coming to Christ, or wondering what does this life look like after Christ? Is that good? So let's, let's first 
I want you to know about the primary thing is salvation. But it's not the fullness of grace. It's by grace, but it doesn't complete grace. But it requires grace to have salvation. And there's more to salvation and grace than what we have settled for as a body. And I'm going to explain that to you. I'm going to break it down to you because the end goal is not salvation. The beginning is salvation. For so many of us and for so many seasons of the church, salvation was the thing that people came to and then they finally graduated to a pew. Salvation is where you start and it should get you out of the pew. Salvation should fill you up with so much grace that it empowers you to move beyond the pew. And the cycle of just coming in and going out with nothing being, nothing being changed, nothing being transformed. So I want to I challenge some thought about salvation, but I also want to bring you perspective. Uh, and I know we all come from different places. One denomination says this, another denomination says this, and another denomination says this, and another denomination says this. But there is only one thing that really matters. Obviously, that is a true, intimate relationship with Christ Jesus. That's it. That, that's the only thing that matters. If you have that, you're good. But if you don't, you may, you may want to find out what that is. So today, let's talk about it. Number one, salvation is Jesus' primary purpose. The whole, only reason he came, only reason he's here, the only reason he was here is to model, one, a life as a human who laid, he laid down his deity. Model to show us how to live empowered by God and being restored to God, the Father, in relationship so that we can do the will of the Father here on earth. Plain and simple, he just came to restore us back to the Father. Salvation. We were in a, we were in a, in a line that was not going his direction to the Father, and Jesus says, I'll step in. If you'll get in my line, we're good. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to require some things of you. So let's, let's look at what that is. But this is a ministry, one of the ministries of Jesus. Is Luke, 40, Lord, Luke 4, 18 says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Me being Jesus, he shows up. And this is actually a prophecy from the book of Isaiah. It just happened to be that Jesus shows up in the synagogue and he finds this, this place in Isaiah and he, he, he grabs the, the, the scroll actually is what it was. It wasn't a book. And, he's, and he turned to this, the Isaiah and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me pro, to proclaim good news to the poor. Can I just say that you're poor in spirit. And so Jesus came to preach salvation, the gospel of Jesus. And, and there's some areas of your life, because you met Jesus, you didn't feel like, I'm no, I'm no longer poor in that area. I've been revived. But then there's other areas of your life where I still feel poor in these areas. And so the gospel still needs to be preached into other areas of our life because God is continually saving us, though we've been saved. Can you see the process? And so, his also, what he came to do is, oh, I'm, I've got it backwards. We're switching up how we're doing this thing. There it is. I'm going to take it from here. John 12, 47 says this, And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I don't judge him for it. For I did not come to judge the world. I came to save it. Like my, my reason for being here is not to bring judgment on the world. I'm just trying to get everybody restored back to the Father. Jesus has just came to get relationship back with the Father because he knows we were lacking intimacy and we need intimacy. We need to understand the Father. 
We need to understand what he, what, he, what he blesses us with, how he blesses us. We need to understand his presence. We need to understand his provision, how he provides. We also need to understand how he protects us. In every area of life where we don't trust the Father, we're scattering about doing our own will, trying to fulfill his will in our lives. And it's a false version. And it's never going to be complete. So number one, is Jesus' primary purpose? The whole reason he came. Great, that's good news. I need to know that because I need to know he came for me. You need to know he came for you. But it's also, it's eternal. Salvation is eternal. And it, and it reflects the character and the nature and the person of Jesus himself. You think about it, uh, and the Godhead in general, the, the Trinity. Because he came to restore us back to the Father. And sometimes we have to think bigger than our human minds can. And here's, here's where we struggle. It, it's like when Moses was talking with God in Exodus, and God was telling Moses, hey, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him, let my people go. They were in bondage to the Egyptians, and God sent Moses as his advocate, his deliverer, by the way, is a shadow type of Jesus in the New Testament from the Old Testament. And he says, Moses tells God, asks God, he says, who do I say sent me? You tell him I am sent you. That's a lot to take in. Like I am. You're you're what? I am. I just am. You ponder that for a little bit, and all of a sudden, you though you think you might be big, you become very small in reality. And that's a great place to be, by the way. When you when you're able, able to be humbled and shrunk down to the reality that I am is my provision, I am, is my protector, I am, is my provider, is my pre- is, his presence is most important to me, I am. And so in light of that, John, the, John the, the apostle wrote in Revelation when he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, it says, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was, oh yeah, and he's going to come too, he, he's eternity. He is eternal. He is, he was, and he's coming back. He's greater than what we can understand. There's more to him than you can fathom. John, uh, Revelation 1.8, he says, Jesus shows up, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And he says this about four or five more times in the book of Revelation itself. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I like to say this, there's something that takes place, something that changes when you have a real, authentic encounter with Jesus. Something changes, and it's not him. Emphasis on the real encounter. 1 John 2, 25 says, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Because in him, it's his nature. You get the whole thing. It's eternal life. 1 John 5, 13 says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You need to know, if you have had an encounter with Jesus and real transformation has taken place in your heart, which is the fruit of repentance, 
something changed and it wasn't him, then you should know that you have eternal life. There's power in that knowing so that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Sometimes we struggle to walk this thing out with God because we don't know whether or not we've actually been saved. So we flail. We may show up to church. We may warm that pew, get it hot. Oftentimes it's hot because a pastor speaking and it's convicting me, the Holy Spirit, and like, it's just hot around here. Usually it's a call to action prompted by the Holy Spirit to get you to move and just say, hey, I brought my, Jesus was here, to, he's here for this. Would you actually have an encounter with him this day? Would you actually come out of church different today? That you may continue to believe, not that you believe for a moment, and then it turned to nothing, but that you know. And so I asked, I put a graph together, a little, some columns and some information that you'll, you need to know. Like, this thing about salvation is very important. You got to understand what has already taken place. Jesus, we'll say what John said and what Jesus said. He is, he was, and he is to come in the future. He is, he was, and he, and he is to come. And there's something you need to know about having been saved. If you've really had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ and there has been a heart change, then your heart of stone has been turned to a heart of flesh and has become pliable and moldable in the hands of the Father, which is what Scripture says, then you have been saved. But you are being saved, present day, and one day you will be fully saved. And... You have been saved from the penalty of sin. You received mercy, and then you got grace. So you don't have to pay for the penalty of your sin. Jesus did that once and for all, because it is finished. You got saved from the penalty of your sins, past tense. You're now being saved from the power of sin, because there's still power of sin in this earth. We still struggle with it a little bit. Jesus always gives us a way out. I'm going to talk to you about that next week. This is kind of a two-part within a series. You are, you are being saved from the power of sin, and one day you'll be completely saved from the presence of sin. There will be none. It just won't exist because of him. And, a little, little deeper, you're being saved. You have been saved in your spirit. Spirit saved. You are being converted in your soul. This is called the process of sanctification you're sanctified, you're being sanctified, and one day you'll be fully sanctified. And if you don't understand this, then you'll have a wrong understanding of what has already taken place. And if you don't understand salvation, then you'll struggle with pressure in the present and have fear for the future because you don't realize that what has taken place has already taken place. And, however, if you do understand what salvation truly is and it comes with what it comes with and what it actually demands, you'll have peace in the present and you'll have faith for the future. Let me give you some past tense words that Scripture says about you if you have had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. That you have been sanctified, that you have been justified, that you have been redeemed, that you have been washed that you have been accepted, that you, that you have now, 
you have now been uh, uh, saved, you have been purified, and you are forgiven. You're forgiven. Some people just need to receive that right there. Because I think some of our hindrance in walking with Jesus sometimes is holding unforgiveness towards ourselves and not allowing the full work of the Holy Spirit to work in us and heal us so that we can see life differently and actually walk in the fullness of what grace provided at the cross. So your past tense, it's happened. If you know that, you're not wrestling with is it happening? No, you're in a process because you had the initial, the initial encounter with God through Jesus by way of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. If you don't catch that, those who believe, that, that believe have this presence experience based on their past confirmation, then you will always try to achieve what has already been given. It's chasing a rabbit if you don't understand it is finished. You cannot achieve it over and over and over and over if it has already happened. But if it has not already happened, this can be your day right here, and it can have a, you can have a true encounter with a true change of heart so that tomorrow you can say, it is finished, I'm redeemed, I've been washed, I'm sanctified, I'm justified just as I, if I've never sinned. I am completely redeemed by the blood of Jesus. This is good news. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So salvation is not a goal to be achieved, but a gift to be received. You can't earn it. You can't do enough to get into, to get into heaven. You can't get in, uh, do enough to earn a relationship with the Father. It is something you just receive. It's a laying down instead of a working toward. So let me give you another past tense word. As I said, it is finished. The work of the cross has been finished. The finished work is being finished in you. And one day, it will completely be finished. So number three, it's a gift. Jesus' primary purpose, it's eternal, and it's a gift. Ephesians 1, 11, 14 says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined, meaning God has a destiny for every one of us. And that destiny is in his presence in heaven. He hasn't determined it because he's left it for you to be to determine. Which path would you choose? Would you lay down your life for his destiny, or will you conti continue to hold on to yours for your own destiny? He's predestined you towards heaven, giving you an opportunity to choose, but he's done this according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Here's what I like to say. God is constantly trying to work you into, kind of corral you towards the path of righteousness, towards salvation, to be in an intimate relationship with him. You're veering away and you're, you're running from and you're hiding from and he's constantly working all things, purposing them for Christ, working all things through him for according to his counsel, for his will. 
he's constantly, but he's allowing you to reject and deny and, and resist. In every area of your life, he's giving you that opportunity. That we who first trusted in, the, in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Key word here is trusted. In him who trusted, first trusted. I don't know which way to go. Can you go to the next one? In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you also having believed. So there's a key word here, trusting and believing. You know you can believe somebody and not trust them? Just sit on that for a second. Because many have been in the church for a long time believing, but they haven't trusted. And there is no relationship with Jesus Christ unless you believe and trust. And the proof of relationship and a repentant heart with Jesus Christ looks like a trusted life that's willing to follow Jesus even into illogical situations and circumstances. You were sealed, another past tense word, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed. Next. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance he guarantees. It's a guarantee. Until the redemption of the purchased possession. Another, another ED word. You've been purchased. You're not your own. You are a purchased possession of Christ. If you believe and trust him. You mean even in my finances, trust him. You mean even in my, in my, my relationships, trust him. Even in your marriage, trust him. Even in my, my, even my, my inner, 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 inner issues that nobody knows about, trust him. That's intimate relationship with Jesus. That's salvation. Not showing up for church on time and serve, not even serving. But once you truly trust him and believe him and come to obey him, it will look like the rest of that list. See, there's a shift between religion and relationship. And Jesus demands relationship. He's not impressed with our religion. He can do all this on his own. He doesn't need us, but what he desires is relationship. And from relationship comes the works of the ministry. It's not a burden. It's a joy. Because it's not for him, it's from him. And there's a mind shift that takes place at that salvation. In him who you trusted. Who is the guarantee? Ephesians 2, 1 and 6 says, And you, he made alive. Past tense. You were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, those are areas that Jesus still wants to save. And we're by nature children of wrath just as the others, but God who is rich in mercy. Right? You don't get punishment for that because you came to him. You repented. You were really allowed a heart change, which created a mind change, being trans transformed by the renewing of your mind because of the washing of the Holy Spirit 
even when you were dead in trespass, made us alive together with Christ, it was by grace you have been saved. It's all by grace. All by grace. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We literally, according to Scripture, we are seated in heavenly places when we come to Jesus and we make him Lord, not just Savior. When we make him Lord of our lives, we start to see things differently. Our eyes are open. There's a calling. There is a purpose that is revived inside of us. There is, a, there is a, an intimacy that starts to develop that is upon us to cultivate. And we are seated in heavenly places to cultivate that intimacy and that relationship. And we're not here to look like the rest of the world, though we can't be absent from the world. We're here to be in the world, seated in heavenly places, to show the world what's going on in heavenly places so that it manifests here on the natural earth. I don't know why this just works. It just does. I had an intuition. Really? I heard from the Lord, but I just don't want to be weird about it here in the people presence where people don't understand and this just worked wow that's so amazing I can praise God on the black backside you know he's okay with that I don't have to be weird to insert kingdom in the middle of a very a very uh (laughs) normal or natural scenario I just got to be a connection to the father that's what he that's what he asked for seated in heavenly places first Corinthians 6 11 and such were some of you but you were washed but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Listen, you got to decide, is it past tense or does it need to happen now? Don't think, well, I'm going to do that one day. John three sixteen and 17. In the book of John, he does a great job of building up how rich salvation is and how much we should understand what salvation is. And then he, he, he pulls out Jesus quoting something from the Old Testament. And I'm going to bring some highlights to that next week if you had to come back for the next episode. But I want to show you how John begins to frame what salvation is for us so that we'll have a confidence in our salvation Because we need a confidence in our salvation if we're going to walk out the fullness of what grace actually has impregnated inside of it. And throughout the series, we're going to build on that. I'm going to unfold that. We're going to unveil that. But it's too much to unload in one message. But we need to know you've got to understand where you are with salvation and what the fullness of grace is so that you can receive all the manifold grace that it has to offer. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, he, he literally tithed his Son to you, knowing the return would be relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, that you were so generous and that you embedded generosity into a people who were uh, selfish. John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. Here we see it again. He's not here to condemn. Somewhere in our minds, we started thinking that that God is waiting to condemn or he's condemning or he guilts and he shames. No, no, that's Satan. God is constantly trying to reroute us back to him and intimate relationship with him. He didn't come to condemn. 
but he but through the, the but that the world through him Jesus would be saved like he's on your side he's got big plans for you he has already predestined great things for you and in fact it's life and life more abundant than what you may be settling for now John 6:35 and 40 says and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Have you been hungry and thirsty? And I'm not talking about for a buffet. I'm talking about spiritually. It may point to the fact that you need salvation. But I've been coming to church. It may point to the fact that you need salvation. The church doesn't save, Jesus does. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. No. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. So he's not going to cast you out. If you've really had an encounter with him and there's been a heart change, he's never going to cast you out. Because you're sanctified, you're justified, you're washed, you're redeemed, you're purified. You're many EDs. You're purchased. By no means will I cast you out, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do but the will of him who sent me. That's the Father. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing. So he's not going to cast you out, and he's not going to lose you. Like you can't walk away and him not get his rod and his staff and say, hey, 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 come back. Hey, 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 come back over here. Hey. Because he leaves the 99 to go after the one, does he not? And he calls you back in. Hey, where are you going? So he doesn't cast you out, and he doesn't lose you. What else, John? He's framing some stuff up. This is good news. But should raise it up at the last day, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up in the last day. John 6, 50, 51, he continues. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, the one may, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. He, but you got to eat of the bread. Like you really... Got to have some change going on. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. John 10, he continues, 27 and 29, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Okay. You won't lose me, you won't cast me out, but if I'm yours, I, I, I listen to your voice and I follow you. Oh, now I have a responsibility. You know, when you, when you go into Israel or go to a place that they do a lot of, any, probably anywhere in the Middle East where there's a lot of herding and shepherding and, uh, and uh, cattle or uh, uh, sorry, sheep or goats, you'll see that shepherd, shepherds will lead their, they'll shepherd their sheep into a very common pen. It's a central pen. John's sheep, John sheep are there, Billy's sheep are there, Nathan's sheep are there, Joey's sheep are there, and, and we're just going to go shepherd hang out, and our sheep are going to be together. But when it's time to go, 
hey, 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 hey. And my sheep will follow my voice. His sheep follow his voice. My sheep follow my voice because they know my presence. They understand my protection. And they know with me is provision. His sheep follow his voice because they understand his presence. They know he protects them. He's their only provision. You follow his voice. When he speaks, you hear. Because his sheep don't say, you know what, this has been good for a little while. I think I'm going to join another flock. I kind of like the way that shepherd, hey, hey, hey. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. I know them. I know them. They follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Here we are again. He doesn't cast you out. He doesn't lose you. And no demonic force is going to snatch you out of his hand either. I got to wrestle with that. And what my understanding of what salvation is. I got to learn to trust this guy. Not just believe him. He protects me. He wants to know me. He wants me to know him. So that no one's going to snatch them out of my hand, he says. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. That's good news. When you know these, I will not lose, I will not cast out, no one's going to snatch, I want to know them, I speak to them, I'm provider, I'm provision, I'm, my presence is all they need, then that empowers your confidence and your boldness and your courage to do whatever that crazy voice says that's the voice of the Lord into some unknown territory, into some illogical things. And when his word says things that your natural understanding can't understand and even doubts, you've got to decide who is your provision, who is your protector, and whose presence do you really want to be in. You have to decide, am I saved or am I not? Because saved people listen to his voice and follow his word and his voice, and they go into some crazy places that we can't understand because he is Lord. He is shepherd. John 12, 47. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I don't judge them. We said it earlier. Because I came to save the world. I'm trying to bring them all into the flock. John 15, 7. I'm skipping some verses that I'm going to highlight next week. You need to understand this for confidence in your salvation. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, abiding is very important. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You know this. When you start to understand that, that Jesus, is your, your, his presence is, is the only thing you want, the greatest wealth in all the world is just his presence, the greatest, the greatest attribute, the greatest thing you can ever experience is his presence. And whenever you know that he is my protector no matter what is going on and that he is my provision, when you truly understand that, 
Can you believe that? Can you trust that with all of your soul? There's no place that he can't lead you and you'll say no and put your heels to the ground. He will take you anywhere. And when he sees that he can trust his sheep, his child, his son, his daughter with anything because they are willing to follow him no matter what, then he starts to put his desires in their heart. They don't understand that their desires have become his desires. And then he starts to bless their prayers because they start praying his heart. And when they're praying his heart, they're praying his will, and the kingdom comes to earth, comes to earth on earth as it is in heaven is what Jesus teaches us to pray. But it comes with a lot of submission and yielding and a willingness to allow Jesus to work in all areas of our life. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. This is our purpose. Jesus' purpose is to restore us back to the Father. Our Father, our purpose is to bring glorify, to glorify the Father. Jesus' purpose, Jesus will, will bear, the, will produce the fruit in our lives, and it'll know, we will know, people will know that we are his disciples. My job is not to produce the fruit. Jesus is the producer. I'm just here to dangle it on the Christmas tree. Look at what Jesus has done. Because I yield my life, I surrender my life, my mind, my will, my emotions, my, I think, I see his word says this, but I think this. You got to decide if you're saved or not. Because if you're saved, it's, it's about his word. And it's about his voice. And it's about his direction. When that happens, he blesses the path that he is navigating you towards because he's working all things according to the counsel of his will, the blessed life. So we're not saved by works, but we are saved unto good works. So I can't earn my salvation, but once I get saved, boy, it sure should look like, man, there's just fruit everywhere that glorifies the Father. Because out of intimacy, Jesus gives us intimate details that will actually glorify the Father and help others. And well, you're, uh, you're judging me. No, I'm not, I'm not here to be a judge. But I am a fruit inspector. I got a badge. Salvation is, is not based on cheap grace. We've cheapened grace because we think, I can have salvation and do whatever I want. Nothing changes. Sorry, that's not salvation. That's a cheap offering. That's not grace. That's deception. Salvation comes with a surrendering of your life, your mind and your will and your emotions. It comes with obeying his voice. It comes with much sacrifice. Salvation comes with laying down your agenda and your kingdom for his. Salvation gets really uncomfortable. Salvation comes with humility. And all these come from intimacy with him and humility towards others. Then he is responsible for the fruit. Luke 4.18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. Because he has anointed me. You know that Jesus wants to anoint you. 
Because Jesus is the one who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit once you have come to Christ. The empowerment comes after. He says, to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm just trying to give them the good news. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You know, we can, we can be saved carrying a broken heart from the life's past and live a very unfulfilled life because we won't let Jesus into those areas of brokenness. And when we get to the edge of ourselves and that brokenness starts to be revealed, instead of being a sheep in his flock who listen to his voice when he wants to speak into it, we go run to another flock because that shepherd doesn't know our junk yet. Or we run from the will of God because we're self-protecting because Jesus is trying to move situations and scenarios to bring healing to my life and I don't like it. Proclaim liberty to the captives. The sheep that are still stuck in the pen, the pen walls are down. That's bondage. Many believers are still stuck in the past in their ideas of self-protection because Jesus has not become Lord of protect and protector for that person. Dancing all around Jesus, but he ain't shepherd. The recovery of sight to the blind. And there's some things that Jesus wants you to know him as healer. That's one of his names. Have you experienced him as healer in your life? Have you allowed him, trusted him to come into that space and bring healing in your life? He wants to be there. He wants to save some areas of your life today. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This word oppressed literally means bruised got a lot of bruised people in the church calling themselves believers and ooh you ouch you said something that hurt me no probably said something that brought out an awareness of a bruise that you have from the past that has nothing to do with the present but good news what Jesus has done is in the past it's in the present and it's in the future Would you let him save you in that area today? There's something already on your mind that you know you've been withholding from Jesus because you don't know his presence that well yet. You don't know him as provider like that yet. And from past experiences with others, you're not so sure he can protect you in that area yet. But I'm telling you today, when you make him Lord over your life, and there's a true heart change with repentance, bearing the fruit of repentance, and intimacy comes in, you'll follow him him into what seems to be the most difficult and painful situation that he will cause to work out your favor and his will for your good and the good of others in a supernatural way that you could never.
never see coming because he is I am. John 17, 3 says this. I'm finishing with John's. And this is eternal life that they may know. Remember Jesus says, I know my sheep. This know right here, that, that they may intimately have relationship with me to the deepest, most dark faces of their soul. That's how we know his voice. When I'm in my quiet time, or I'm in my car, or I'm in the middle of a moment, middle of a loud crowd, I can hear his voice because I've spent time with him. He knows me, and I've been getting to know him. The only true God in Jesus Christ, the Father is sent. Can I pray for you today? The burden I carry for this series is that we understand the fullness of grace. And if we don't get salvation, we will never get the empowerment over sin that grace provides. We will never get the empowerment to live a fulfilled life that grace provides. We will never receive the empowerment of who Jesus baptizes us in and everything that he comes with that grace itself provides. And we will continually stress ourselves out trying to earn something that he's trying to give. So, Father, I just thank you for being a good father. If there's anybody here today that doesn't know you intimately and had that heart transformation, where there hasn't been repentance with the fruit of change, Father, I pray that they meet you here today. I pray that there's a real encounter, that they no longer just come to church, but they actually meet Jesus. Pray for the religious mindset to just be set aside and and true relationship be the focus. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for the finished work. We thank you that we're sanctified, that we're redeemed, that we're justified, that we're purified. Thank you that we are a purchased possession. Thank you that it has been done and that it is finished. And I just pray for a peace that surpasses understanding in your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, I want to say this. If you've yet to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to come forward to the prayer team, and they just want to pray over you and bless that. Good? Well, let's worship God.